spending time in worship. I, my prayer for tonight is that it is a night where we can just pause, take a breath. Anybody need that this time of year? And just be in the presence of the Lord. I have had an anticipation in my spirit all week about what is going to happen in this place. Because how many of you know something happens when the people of God come together and we sing the songs of God and we lift up the name of God and we put Jesus at the center of everything? How many of you know he promises to show up? So if you'll show up tonight and worship, I promise you Jesus will show up tonight in our worship. Amen? So I expect all of you who just said amen and those of you who didn't to be here tonight. I hope we have to pull out chairs. Bring your kids. This is a great opportunity for children to be in worship. We will have nursery, but um, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll come tonight at 6 o'clock. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read 18 through 25. This was our reading from this past Wednesday. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until they gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus, thank you for this story. Thank you for another amazing opportunity to share the greatest story on earth. And I pray today that as we unpack your word in a creative and hopefully fresh way, it'll find the, the targeted hearts, Lord, that it's intended for. Lord, anoint me to speak what you've led me to. And God, anoint your people to receive it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the countdown is on, right? Seven days till Christmas, seven shopping days if you count today. Anybody finish your Christmas shopping? Let me see your hands. Okay, anybody waiting on Amazon and then your Christmas shopping will be finished. Is there anybody here who hasn't started yet? If you see a hand up, just put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. They probably need your prayers. Well, this is the week, y'all, that will make or break Christmas. This is the week that will make or break your Christmas spirit, right? Because there are a few more gifts to buy, and there's that grocery store run to make, and there's uh, presents to wrap and the house to clean, and if you're going out of town, you've got to pack and get ready for all of that. And, and, and all of the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the season, 
that's a good lead-in to the, uh, the movie that we're going to look at today as we continue the series, Christmas at the Movies. Today we're going to look at the 2004 family comedy, Christmas with the Cranks. And i got to be honest, this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Now, I know it's not up there with It's a Wonderful Life. It's just a fun movie to watch. I'll admit a few years ago, it was playing somewhere in the middle of the summer in July, and I stopped and watched the whole thing. This movie just makes me laugh. So of all the movies we're talking about this month, this might be the one that the least amount of people have seen. So let me check the room this morning. How many of you have not seen Christmas with the Cranks? Raise your hand. Okay, that, that's, that's a fair amount. So let, let me tell you what this movie's about, okay, so you'll know what's going on. Here's a, here's a thing that's interesting about this movie, and some of you may not know this interesting trivia. This movie is based on a book called Skipping Christmas. And, and this book was written by one of the most popular uh, novelists who usually writes crime novels and and, and law novels named John Grisham. Anybody heard of that name? The Pelican Brief, The Firm, all those movies from the 90s. Well, John Grisham apparently decided to write a comedy, and he wrote a, a book called Skipping Christmas, and it was made into Christmas with the Cranks, and this movie stars Tim Allen as Luther Crank. So remember that name, Luther, and it stars uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Nora Crank, and they are about to be empty nesters, in the movie because their daughter Blair has just joined the Peace Corps just a few weeks before Christmas. And this is a big deal because to this family, the Cranks, Christmas is, is big. I mean, they decorate big. They live in a neighborhood where everybody goes all out in decorating. And they host the Christmas Eve party at their house. And as they leave the airport and dropping off uh, Blair to go to the Peace Corps a few weeks before Christmas Nora starts saying to Luther hey Christmas is going to be a lot different and he has an idea he sees a billboard and he says you know what why don't we skip Christmas this year we won't buy any gifts we won't put up any decorations and all the money we save how about if we leave on Christmas Day and we go on a Caribbean seven day cruise on Christmas Day well she doesn't like the idea to begin with she balks at it but finally he talks her into it and the rest of the movie is the neighborhood and everybody pushing back against this decision on them to skip Christmas and you know what happens on Christmas Eve she calls the daughter calls and says I'm coming home is the party still on and they're like yeah it's on and they rush to get the party going and everybody lives happily ever after that's the movie but there is this little relationship that we find and that's what I want you to see in this excuse me this clip this morning uh, Luther and Nora have some neighbors who live across the street it's an older couple named Walt and Bev Shear and uh, and Luther and Walt don't get along too well uh, they have a cat that's always in Luther's yard and you know Tim Allen he, he, he's a pretty funny guy he's always stepping on the cat and doing crazy stuff like that and they just, they butt heads. But in this story, the story goes that Bev is going through uh, chemo treatments. And, and she, had, she had gotten through some of it, and then it comes back. And, uh, and, and so Christmas Eve, they don't come over to the party. But, uh, but Luther, and, uh, Luther realizes, you know, we're not going on this cruise. Our daughter's home. And he realizes he's got to do something with the cruise. And so it's Christmas Eve. He walks across the street to his uh, kind of his rival neighbor, Walt, and here's what happens. 
it is. Everybody say it. Oh, man, I tell you what, that'll bring a tear to a glass eye. We all get that tomorrow. So let me ask you a question. If somebody showed up to your house on Christmas Eve and they said, we have a all expense paid cruise for you to go tomorrow. It's yours. You can go and, and it's free. Would you take it? I'm surprised so many people said yes. And, and why is that? Because I think if it really, and you're like, well, I know it's not going to happen because it's an easy answer. But, I mean, think about it. Well, what am I going to do with the kids? What am I going to do with Mama? She's expecting me to be at her house. All those different things would cause us probably to, to not go. And even if we would go and say we would do it, I think most of us would be a lot like Walt and Deb. We would say, well, you know, how are we going to pay for this? We want to pay you back because... Most of us, we like to make our own way. If somebody does something for us, we want to pay them back. We want to earn our way. We, we don't just want a, a, a handout. But I love the quote that Luther says. It's coming up on the screen. He looks at Walt and he says, this is a simple gift, Walt. No cost, no payback. Don't make it complicated. And in many ways, that's the theme of this movie. It's that Christmas can get very complicated. Would you agree with that? With all the things that there are to do and all the presents to buy and the, the places to go, and my goodness, when you get married, I, I've, I've married nine couples this year, and part of the conversations I had with those who were getting married for the very first time was have a, have a conversation about what Christmas is going to look like because when you decide what you're going to do, it can get very complicated. Whose house are we going to be at? And as a result, you know, if we think about that, and, and you know what I'm going to say right now as the pastor, the Christmas message, let's just get back to peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Let's just get back to what it was like at the very first Christmas when, when Jesus was born, because that setting was not very complicated. Not true at all. You think about, for a moment, all the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus, it was quite complicated. You have a couple who's engaged to be married. Everything's set in, in their culture. You'd already signed on the dotted line. And, and then an angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, and it's not going to be your husband's or anybody else's. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. And Mary goes and tells Joseph, I'm pregnant and it's not yours. How do you think that would go over? That's kind of complicated, right? And Joseph, we read it this morning, decides, well, I'm, I love her, I care about her, I've I got to follow the law, but I'm going to divorce her quietly. And he's trying to figure out how to get out of this when an angel appears to him and tells him the same thing. Mary's going to have a child and it's from the Father and it's going to be uh, the, the Son of God and the Savior of the world and you're going to name him Jesus. And so now he brings her into his home in Nazareth and now she's pregnant and everybody sees it and that's complicated and I'll just mention it because Matthew did Matthew tells us that uh, they didn't consummate the marriage for nine months that would be a little complicated can we be honest this morning and then they have to take a trip to Bethlehem 90 miles four day journal journey for a census, and then they get there, and you know the story, there's no place for them to stay, complicated, 
they finally get there, and I think we can just maybe assume that Joseph delivered Jesus. That's kind of complicated. And then things finally settle down, and somebody knocks at the door, and a bunch of shepherds pile in. I think that whole environment was pretty complicated. The stress, the uncertainty, the complications. But what we know to be true today is this. What was not complicated was the purpose and the meaning and, as we say, the reason for the season. We find it in our text, in the words spoken from the angel to a husband who's contemplating divorce. He's very confused. He's very frightened. He's very disheartened. And this is what he says. The angel says, she will give birth to a son. And this is not what's complicated, Joseph. You're going to give him the name Jesus. You don't even have to go through that part of deciding what you're going to name him, which can get very complicated, right? And what's his purpose? He will save his people from their sins. The birth of Jesus, the, the, the reason for the birth was not complicated. We hear this echoed in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, when the angels say the same thing to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a what, everybody? A Savior, a lot of clarity on what this is about. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. John would tell us in his gospel, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. And here's his purpose. He came from the father to be full of grace and truth. So here's what I want you to see this morning. The birth of Jesus is not just about the birth of a savior. It is the birth of grace. I want us to revisit that quote that Luther says to Walt, he says, this is a simple gift, Walt. No cost, no payback, don't make it complicated. Modern day Christmas traditions make it Christmas what? Complicated. We just learned that events surrounding the birth of Jesus were very what? How many of you know that living day to day, holding down a job, owning a small business, keeping your marriage together, raising your kids right, can be very, you're with me this morning, right? But I want you to understand today the, the key thought for this message. This is what I want you to walk away with, and that's this. Life is complicated. Grace is not. Life can be very complicated, but grace is not. Again, Luther says, this is a simple gift, Walt. No cost, no payback. Don't make it complicated. But listen, because life is complicated, we tend to make grace complicated. Let me come to the front step and say that again. Because life is complicated, we tend to make grace complicated. There it is. Are you with me, 9 o'clock? Yeah, we, we make it very complicated. And so in order to make grace less complicated, simpler, and, and more straightforward, I, I want to I show you this morning four things that we need to know about grace. Four things that I've, I've seen as I've been watching this, this scene, as I've been thinking about grace over the last few days. And we're going to unpack this morning, unpack it this morning in a very familiar format. Who, why, how, and what. So first of all, let's begin with this, the, the who of grace. Who the gift of grace is for is not complicated. 
I'm going to say that again. Who the gift of grace is for is not complicated. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, say it with me, that whoever. Some translations say whosoever. Some translations say anyone. Some translations say everyone. The point is who the gift of grace is for is not complicated. God the Father walks to everybody's door and knocks on the door and offers the free gift of salvation in His Son, Jesus. He goes to the door of the person who's grown up in church their whole life. He goes to the door of the sinner. He goes to the door of the convict. He goes to the door of the pornographer, of the drug addict, of the prostitute, of the alcoholic, of the bigot. He visits the door of the Republican, the Democrat, and the Independent. He goes to the door of the white, the black, the brown, the yellow, the red, the poor, the rich, the loser, the winner. He knocks on the door of the gay, the lesbian, the bisexual, the transgender, the cynic, the atheist, the agnostic, the big, the businessman with the biggest house in town, and the homeless man with no house. That's who God the Father goes to and knocks on the door and says the gift of grace is for whosoever. Jesus said, I came. My job is to seek, to knock on doors, and to save those that were lost. And hear this this morning. The only way you can be disqualified for God's gift of grace if, is if you complicate it and you don't accept it. There are so many people out there who don't accept the gift of grace. And there's people in this room today. And there's people who are listening to this podcast this week. And you can't accept God's simple gift of grace because you complicate it. And you say you're outside of the whoever. I don't know how much plainer the scripture has to be. Whoever means you. You're everybody, you're everyone, you're anyone. Life is complicated. Watch this. The who of grace is not. Amen? So what about the why of grace? Why God gives us grace is not complicated. Think about what we're going to do, parents. In about a week. We're going to prepare everything for Christmas morning and, and, and think about what it was like for you as a kid growing up. If you grew up in a healthy, loving home, Christmas Day, Christmas morning was the greatest day of the year, wasn't it, as a kid? I remember one time around Father's Day or Mother's Day, I remember asking my mom one time, I said, Hey mom, we got Father's Day and Mother's Day. When is Children's Day? And she didn't even flinch. She said, Christmas. And she's right. Because there are few things in life that are greater than being a kid on Christmas morning if you grow up in a great home. Or, am I right? You know what? There is something better than being a kid on Christmas morning. It's being a parent on Christmas morning. Parents, am I right? 
Man, I, I thought being a kid on Christmas morning was great. I thought 12 years old when I finally got that motorcycle that I preached about a year and a half ago that I always wanted. But it's nothing like watching my three kids get up on Christmas morning for the last 24, 25 years and spending that time together and seeing the joy in their lives when they were all this big and we bought them a puppy and that puppy followed them around and Brock was in diapers and nipping at his heels. There's nothing like those moments. Why? Because we understand the joy of giving to our children. We give to them and we don't expect anything in return, do we? It's the joy. Excuse me, it's the joy of giving. And so, look at what the scripture says. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, this is what Jesus said. So if you are sinful people, he's talking about us. As sinful people, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, and that's what we do, right? Birthdays, Christmas morning. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We often say around this time of year, Santa Claus is what? He's watching. He's got a what list, a naughty list, and an ice list. And we'll threaten our kids, our kids with this. But even though your kids may have had a bad year and they've not been obedient and they've driven you crazy, I've never known a parent that said, well, you're not getting Christmas this year. Why? Because of our love and our care for our kids. It doesn't matter about that. We give to them because we love them. Can I tell you this morning, we were all on the naughty list. Romans 5, 8 says, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The L-I-V, while we were on the naughty list. The less international. While we were still on the naughty list, God showed his great love for us. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he'll certainly save us from God's condemnation. Why does God give us grace? Look at the rest of what this says. It says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the what? Life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new, what's that word? Relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Why does God give us grace? So we can be in relationship with him. He gives us grace so he can save us from eternal damnation. Can I say that on Christmas Sunday? All right, around this time of year. We read it a while ago. We know it very well, John 3.16. But what comes before and after John 3.16? Actually pretty cool. Watch this. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, I could say to keep them on the naughty list, but that the world through him might be what? Somebody saved. Why grace? So we can be in a relationship with him. 
Why grace? So we may have eternal life. Why grace? So we will not stand condemned in our sin before Jesus. Why grace? Because He loves us. His mercies are new every morning, which means every morning to the Father is Christmas morning for us. Oh, that's so good. Did you hear what I just said? Every morning with the Father is Christmas morning for us. Why? Because we needed saving. Look at what we read on uh, Wednesday morning of this week, Tuesday morning, Isaiah 53. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. Is that anybody's story in this room? He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but... He was pierced. Here's the why of grace for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten. The why of grace so we could be made whole. He was whipped. The why of grace so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. Yet we have left God's path to follow our own. Yet even in our sin, even on the naughty list, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Why? Because He loves us. Because He wants relationship with us. Because He wants to spend eternity with us. And for all of us in this room who've heard this a million times, God, please help us that we, that this does not become white noise. Always talking about that again. This is the story of our lives. This is the gospel. And as I thought about it this week, as I was listening to Christmas music this week, and we sang it this morning, somebody's here and probably thinking, man, these are songs we should sing on Easter. These are songs we sing on Easter, Son of Heaven. You can't separate the manger, the cross, and the empty tomb. They're all in one. They're all the same story. The story of redemption, the story of grace, the story of rescue. Why? Because He loves us. Ashley, you posted this a couple of days ago. I screenshotted it, so I'll give you credit for it. But this author named Shane Pruitt, evangelist and author, said this. It's humbling to think that Jesus can already see my failures of tomorrow and yet still wants to be my Savior of today. Wow. Somebody say hallelujah. Man, that's good news. Many things in life are complicated. There's many things that we don't understand. You may have a situation you're dealing with right now that is super complicated, but one thing that is not complicated is God's love for you and me right where you sit in your sin. He is on record that He loves you, and that's why He sent His Son. Here it is. Life is complicated. The why of grace is not. Amen? So the who of grace the why of grace. Let's talk about the how of grace. How we receive the gift of grace is not complicated. And this is where we often really trip up. But how we receive this gift of grace is not complicated. Is there anybody over here who would like to have one of these? Um, yeah, come, come here right here, yeah.
Holy Spirit. Who is that? What's your name? All right, Alvin. Here you go. You're welcome. Anybody in the middle section? Sean. Life is complicated. Grace is not. The how of grace is not complicated. Anybody around here anywhere? Front one, right there in the middle. Raise your hand. Okay. Here's the big one. Come on, Rachel. This is my friend. She came ready for Christmas. You talk about Yuletide joy. Trust is not in here. <laughs> the how of grace is not complicated. So that gift, what did they have to do? The gift was given, and what did they have to do? Just receive it. They just had to come get it. That's it. It's not complicated. How we receive the gift of grace is not complicated. Listen to what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. For it's by what? 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 I'm sorry, Les, you don't have anything to do with it. As much as I try, I have nothing to do with it. You have nothing to do with it. You're trying, but you have nothing to do with this. It's by what? Grace you've been saved through your what? See, you got to believe. It's not from yourself. It's the... It's the little Debbie Christmas cake of God. Not by works, because if it was by works, we would do what? We would boast about it. How we receive the gift of grace is not complicated, but what do we do? We what? We complicate it. We're like Walt and Bev in the movie. When we finally decide to receive the gift, to receive the trip, we want to know, what have I got to do to pay for it? I don't deserve it. I, I've got to earn it. I've got to earn. Anybody remember that commercial? Okay. When I was a kid, <laughs> and I found it on YouTube this week, there was a commercial in the late 70s, early 80s when I was a kid from a, an investment company called Smith Barney. Anybody remember this? And John Houseman was there. This old British actor was their, was their spokesman. And he would walk out and he would say, Smith Barney, they make money the old-fashioned way. They earn. Anybody old enough to remember that commercial? Hey, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we want grace to be. We want grace. We want to be able to earn it. But the word grace is the Greek word charis. And it means goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. We make it complicated. We try to make ourselves jump through hoops. Life is complicated. The how of grace is not complicated. And how we receive it is not complicated. Paul says, if you openly declare 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, say it with me, 9 o'clock, you will be saved. Not complicated. John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not complicated. I, I called a couple of my friends this week. I have two very close friends who are pastors, and I called them, and I told them what I was talking about today, and I said, talk to me about how people in the church, how do church people complicate grace? What comes to mind when you hear that? And I, I fell into a, a really cool conversation with one of my best friends, Dwayne Life, and we began to go back and forth and talk about how not only do we make grace complicated for us, you still listen? We make it complicated for everybody else, too. Because we have this tendency, this human tendency, that once we receive grace, we have this tendency, to, and we finally get it, and, and it's still complicated for us, we have to make it complicated for everybody else, too. And we become critical and judgmental and demanding. And y'all, uh, some of y'all know this. There are YouTubers out there and bloggers and podcasters who all they do, their whole ministry is dedicated to throwing the first stone. That's all they do. Some of the guys, that's all they do is talk about all the preachers out there and how heretical they are, how wrong they are. There's guys who have websites. All they do is talk about all the music groups. All the Christian uh, churches and Elevation and Bethel and Hillsong and how, how they're being used of the devil. I'm like, if, if they're being used of the devil, they're really going about it a poor way. Because all they sing about is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But you've got these people out here who think it's their job in life to throw the first stone and their ministry is to point out everybody else who's wrong. And my friend Dwayne said this as we were talking and I said, say that again, I'm going to write that down. He said this, why do Christian people find it necessary to expose the flaws of other Christians in a louder voice than we expose the perfection of our Savior? Hmm. I said, Dwayne, say that again. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to share that on Sunday. Why do we do that? Because we don't get grace. We don't get it. Because we wrestle with it. And because we wrestle with it, we want everybody else to wrestle with it. And we want everybody else to jump through hoops. Y'all, life is complicated. The how of grace is not. And watch this. As Christ followers, we must stop making the how of grace complicated for ourselves and especially for everybody else. We've got to do it, y'all. This how, we've got to do a better job. It's free, it's given, we can't do anything about it. Earn it, we can't earn it, we, can't, we don't deserve it, we can't pay for it, accept it, the how of grace. So we talked about the who, the why, the how. Let's finish up with the what of grace. What do I mean by the what of grace. I, I don't mean what is grace. But what do we do with grace as believers once we receive it? What we do with the gift of grace 
is not complicated. It's, it's just as simple as this. I live my life in response to the gift, not to earn the gift. That's going to help a lot of people today. I believe that. And that's something else my friend Dwayne said. I said, I'll write that down too. I live my life, and some of you are always trying to earn your way to heaven. This is going to help you today. I live my life in response to God's gift, not to earn the gift. Jesus said to his disciples the night before he went to the cross in John 14, anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. So I live my life in response to the gift, not to earn the gift, and it looks like this. It's a life of gratitude, humility, and obedience. Put that up there. That's what it looks like to live my life in response to the gift, not to earn the gift. In response for what God has done for me, I will live a life of gratitude. I'll be thankful for what he's done. Anybody thankful for the grace of Jesus? Amen? I'll live a life of humility of saying, I, I couldn't do anything to earn this. I'm a sinner saved by grace who needs that mercy every morning I get up. And because I love him, I will obey him. Not because he makes me, but because of all he's done for me. Out of that heart, I will walk in obedience to him. Now, these, these little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, if you got one today, what you do with it is up to you. It's yours. You can enjoy it. You can experience it. You can savor it. You can keep it for yourself. Or you could toss it in the pantry. You could forget about it. It could be in the back seat of your car. And if you forget about it and you leave it there, it's going to get what? Stale. It's going to get soggy. It's going to get old. It's going to get hard. It's going to be useless. But why are these little Debbie tr cakes so popular? Because they just came out this year, right? These things have been out forever. And I've never seen, not just y'all who are eat up with it here in Rankin, but friends all over the nation, everybody's talking about these now. It's like everybody has to have them. You know why? Why is it such a buzz? Because people start talking about them. People start putting it on Facebook. People start saying, I, I want those recipes where they crumble them all up. I'm like, you're killing that cake, man. Crumble it up, put milk and sugar, in it. already a ton of sugar in it, and, and make it into something you can dip. Well, take something else that's sugar and dip it in that sugar. Praise God, tis the time of year. We'll start fasting two weeks from tomorrow. Get ready. Three weeks from tomorrow. But why? Why? Because there's a buzz. Because we're talking about this cake. Walt and Bev received the gift, but what they did with it was up to them. They could have received that gift and left it on the counter. What happens the next day if Luther and Nora get up and they look across the street and their car's still in the driveway and they're out uh, taking care of the cat or getting the mail and they don't take the trip. They're hurt. Why didn't you use the gift we gave? But what happens if on the way out they beep the horn, they send a text, hey y'all, we're going to have a great time, and then when they get back in a week, it's the first place they come to with pictures and souvenirs and stories and they sit around together and they share about how awesome that trip was. What is that going to mean to Luther and Nora? It's going to mean the world because they were given a gift 
and they used it to its fullest and they experienced joy from it and they got to share the message of what that was all about. What we do with what do we do with the gift of grace? I experience grace and as a result, I don't make it more complicated. I want to share it with other people. You are you hearing what I'm talking about? I experienced something great, so I want to share it with other people. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Christmas and, and all the different things of Christmas in the first week of this story. And I talked about this right here. I talked about the Dairy Queen candy cane chill blizzard. Okay, mouths are watering now in the house. I talked about how good this candy cane blizzard is. And I could talk about it, or I can say, who's here this morning who, listen to the question, who loves candy cane, peppermint, and chocolate. Matt, I saw your hand up first. Come here, Matt. I want to bless you with something that's blessed me. I love these, and I want somebody else to experience it. So I'm going to give him a gift. I'm going to share it again. Somebody else who loves it. Kim Zorbo, come here. Get this gift. I hope you guys enjoy these candy cane. What do they got to do? What are they doing? They got to come and receive it. And they're receiving it. Why? Because I enjoyed it. I was a recipient, so I gave it away. That's grace, y'all. That's what happens when grace gets a hold of us and it gets in us. It means that we want to give it away. I live, here it is, again, my life in response to the gift, not to earn the gift, a life of gratitude, humility, and obedience. Life is complicated, the what of grace is not. It's not complicated. So let me finish with this. Give me some background music, guys. There's a song that was written about five years ago by Corey Asbury called Reckless Love, 2017. We've sung this song around here some. This song, Reckless Love, is one of the most widely accepted and widely rejected worship songs of the last few years. Do you guys realize that? There's people who will go on YouTube and just blast this song. Again, back to our point. And, and I want to I tell you, I, I've kind of wrestled with this reckless word. I've kind of wrestled with it. When we sing it, sometimes I'm like, And I've heard some people that I that I appreciate and I follow their ministry and 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 they talk about God's love isn't reckless. It's not. But how many of you know that the English language for like every word, we could put up any word here this morning, it has a lot of meaning. That's how our language works. It gets in a lot of trouble sometimes. Makes things complicated. Back to our word for the day. But I looked up the definition of reckless. Reckless defined, it's an adjective, it means utterly unconcerned about the consequences of some action, without caution, careless. And this is where we would say to our kids when they start driving, don't drive what? Recklessly. And so when we think about the reckless love of God, I always think about reckless with people who are reckless drivers, who are reckless with their lives. They just don't care. They're just going to crash into everything and blow everything up. You, You understand what I mean? It's kind of a negative word, right? 
But look at the next part of the definition. Characterized by or proceeding from such carelessness. And then there's this other sentence, reckless setting. So what is what does Corey say in the song? Is this scriptural? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down. Is that anybody's story in here? Fights till I'm found. Anybody's story in here? Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Was God reckless in the negative way we view that word? No, absolutely. It was not just something he did it was the plan the scripture says from the foundation of the world Jesus was always plan a and if you don't believe me you look through the entire book everything leads to Jesus we don't get to the end of the Old Testament it's like well none of that works so now we'll send Jesus everything on the left side of your Bible points to Jesus now unconcerned about the consequences of the action without caution Could we fairly say that God threw caution to the wind and said, no matter what it costs, Jesus said, if it costs me everything, I'll be reckless. I will be recklessly extravagant with my love and my grace for my people. Does it work? It works more than it doesn't work. And if you're tripping on that, and that's still a problem for you, that's okay. I get that word reckless is a hang-up, but the rest of the song, y'all, is our story. Is that anybody's story? Did, did God chase anybody down and said, whatever it takes, I'm going to go after them. That is the story of grace. Life is complicated. Grace is not. Say it with me. Life is complicated. Grace is not. Let's stand together this morning. Nobody can come and get those. Those are for the second service. If you go after them, you got to go through the manger to get them. That's between you and God. How many people are dealing with a situation in your life right now that's complicated? God's grace doesn't just save you. It walks you through those complicated seasons and situations of life. Amen. Life is complicated, but the grace of God isn't. We don't understand it. We can't wrap our brain around it. But today we've learned that the who of grace is not complicated. The why of grace is not complicated. The how of grace is not complicated. And the what of grace is not complicated. Let's bow our heads today.
Lord, we thank you today, Father, for your overwhelming, endless, amazing love for us. Demonstrated in the fact that you bankrupt heaven to send us your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray today as a result of what we've heard in this message that, God, we would become people who live in response to the gift. Not to earn your gift. May we live with a life of gratitude, humility, and obedience for all that you are and all that you have done for us. As you continue to bow your heads this morning, I want to ask you a question today. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor, Pastor Les, I today need to receive that grace that you're talking about today. I'm away from God. I'm away from Jesus. I may be one of those ones who walked away. But today, you need to make a decision to come back to the cross, to come back to Christ. And you're, and you're saying, yeah, I realize today this grace is for me. If you want to pray a prayer today, I'd love to lead you in that prayer. Anybody who's able to raise your hand, put it right back down. Anybody? Anybody here today?
God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.